Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. An amazing thing happened on my way to the show today, and that is the fact that I kept thinking, what are we going to talk about if the Yankees or the Red Sox take a very early one nothing lead before the game start, before the show starts? And the Red Sox, bases loaded in the first inning against CC, and I'm like, ugh, 1-0, 2 nothing. How do I really say can CC hold on to the Yankees tonight? If they're already down 2 nothing, That's not really a, a fair question to ask that for myself. Luckily for me, CC gets out of it. And here we are in the second inning. 2-0, two, two outs, top of the second. And the Red Sox are up. So, Seth, I will bring this to your attention. Yankees-Red Sox. CC on the mound. You guys are on the ropes. And I say you guys being Yankee fan. Does he come through tonight, or is this uh, the beginning of the end after a 16 to nothing whitewash last night? That was 16 to one. Did they get a run? I think I turned it off. 16 to one. You're right. I didn't even put it on. You're right. It was 10 one. So 16 to one. Now, look, if you're going to tell me who am I going to take in a playoff game, CC Sabathia, Rick Porcello, I'm going to go with CC Sabathia. Um, but as we all know, this is, it's all 50, 50 at this point between these two teams. Um, you know, the red, the Yankees, the Red Sox probably have a better lineup. The Yankees have a better bullpen. The hitting, the both hitting is phenomenal. Um, I'm just happy that I'm hosting a show without a baby, without two babies crying, to be perfectly honest. Um, well, one is hysterical crying, but you can't hear in the background. And I don't know. I think there was a lot to talk about this week whether we're talking about what happened with Conor McGregor, um, the NFL, you know, the, the playoffs, uh, whether we do – is our NBA preview this week or next week? Next week. We, we are host – well, if we do it on Tuesday, and we haven't figured out, ladies and gentlemen, when that time is going to be. Right now we're debating maybe a Monday night slot at 6 o'clock for your drive home, Seth's drive home as well. We, we, are, we are fashioning this in around – both of our schedules. We're trying to figure out a good time for, for Jake, for Morgan, for Seth, for Carly, and for Sean. Seems 80%, 20%, but we're still trying to figure it out. So the whole 100% is happy with this arrangement. So we'll get back to you right now. We haven't figured that out. And the Red Sox just popped up. We'll be giving you uh, updates throughout the, throughout the day. But before we start on any of that, and NBA is next week as they start next Tuesday night. Before we start any of that, did you know that David Aldridge wrote his last column today? No, he wrote his last column for NBA.com. He's moving to the Athletic to run oh, is he? Uh, the – yeah. I mean – Oh, I thought, if anyone was, gets I thought he was stopping writing. I thought he was done writing. I'm very no, happy to hear be- about him at the Athletic. 
Yeah, I mean, The Athletic, for those of you who don't know, because it's a relatively new website, is is right now, in my mind, by far the best sports website out there. A lot of the big writers like Jason Stark and Seth Davis and, and Stuart Mandel from College Football have jumped from either ESPN or Yahoo or Sports Illustrated to The Athletic. And um, he's going to be running – this was actually, ironically, the original idea of the of Back Sports page. Go figure. But um, he's going to be uh, running the D.C. the D.C. area, um, the D.C. version oh, of the athletic. Excellent. excellent. So I, I, I do not know, know that. He's not traveling, but he'll still be writing as far as I can tell. So, so he is one of those guys that I remember way back when, when he was on uh, ESPN with the sports reporters and even before then. He's one of those guys that I, that I tend, to, tend to read often. And he's got great insights. He reminds me very much of Peter Gammons and how his knowledge and on, his contact. Yeah, his, you know, it's funny that you say the athletic is the best sports place to go. I agree with you. It is. But there's so much to read. If I wanted to read everything that I wanted to read at the athletic, and that's how good a site it is, it would take me all day. I'd have no time for, for work. I'd have no time for the show. I'd have no time for anything. It's that good a site. It's worth the money. I suggest everybody, look, we're not doing advertising for The Athletic, but quite frankly, we are. It, it's that good of a, a site. In fact, today I, I read the oral history. I love these oral histories. They're really good writing as well of the Mighty Ducks and how the Mighty Ducks came to be and how there was actually, if you can believe this, a 15-minute, 15 15-minute, 15 pre-game inter- introduction to the first Mighty Duck hockey game. I'm not sure I'd have the wherewithal or the patience to sit through 15 minutes of pre-game for any team, but it was pretty good. So if you want to check that out, that's also on the athletic. I did not know he's writing for them. Good for him, good for them, and good for me because I enjoy reading him. He's one of those guys like Buster Olney that I tend to read all the time. Jason Stark has a little – for the guy that, that loves minutia like I do, Jason Stark goes even more into minutia than I can go. So I'm not really sure that that's for me. But anyway, I'm glad he's still, still there. Let, let's talk a little Conor McGregor first. Let's, let's tip it off. Oh, we got a – nope, foul ball. Let's tip it off with Conor McGregor and the news out of MMA. Do you want me to start? Discuss. Well, I'm, um, I just I just set you I just set up a volleyball. I'm waiting for you to spike, my friend. Well, I mean, it's relatively straightforward. Conor McGregor in a fight that he probably never should have. In it, coming back from two year two years off, a brutally tough matchup. Um, fought a guy named Khabib Nurmagomedov, who has never lost a round, let alone a fight. And I don't know, in my mind, I thought it was relatively predictable. Um, Khabib knocked him out, uh, put him, made him submit in the fourth round. The big issue being that after the fight, because of all the smack talk that Conor McGregor was talking about him, his family, his religion, his country, after he put him out, uh, Khabib literally jumped over the fence and went after his training staff. And a whole massive brawl ensued, uh, lots of... I think it was three arrests. They're holding Khabib's check. Uh, 
check, you know, before the Nevada State Commission. And in a a sport that's had, you know, so trying to become legitimate, and in a lot of ways it is, but trying to become legitimate to the casual fan where it hasn't been quite as accepted, this is not exactly a, uh, not exactly the best, the best one, the best method of proving this. Now, does it lead to an extraordinarily lucrative rematch? Potentially, but it's just a black, just a black stain. Okay, so let's go back to your original comment of they're trying to be legitimate to the casual fan. Is that possible? Casual, it, it, I casual mean, sports fan. Look, but, not casual. Yeah, I, 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 I get what you're saying. Casual sports fan, right? So beating the crap out of somebody, right? So we know that boxing has taken a step back. And I know a lot of it has to do with who owns, who owns what belt and, more importantly, the corruption that took place in the 80s and 90s and the early 2000s. But in an era where every other sport is basically trying to make their sport safer, here we are basically cheering for somebody to get the snot kicked out of them. I'm not sure you'll ever get the casual sports fan to make it a legitimate sport. I don't enjoy watching it. I've watched it. I've gone to actually an MMA fight when I was in Singapore. But if you had to give me a football game or, or MMA, I'd watch a football game nine times out of ten, maybe even ten times out of ten. I don't think you're going to get the legitimate sports fan. Maybe I'm wrong. But, but I'm see, not I sure think they're. Is, I think, I think they have a niche market. To get any see, more I than a niche market, I'm not sure they'll get there. I think this is where the issue lies. You are a huge sport. You know, I think of actually a guy who used to come on the show, Ryan the Rabbi. I'm pretty sure is not a fan of this stuff either. People like him and you, who are diehard sports fans and extraordinarily knowledgeable sports fans don't see it as a sport in a lot of ways. They see it as combat. And I'm speaking on for him, but I'm speaking more for like just general sports fans that most of us of our age, late 30s, early 40s, so on and so forth. But to a younger generation, they don't want to watch baseball. They want to see, you know, this is this, it's like almost like an e-sport where it's a sport for people who never actually follows in a lot of ways. And I, I think it has a well. Maybe the, the casual sports fan may not be attracted to it. I'm not sure that there isn't a huge. I'm not. I don't particularly agree with it. I think there was an enormous fan base for this. I just don't think it's a fan base that typically follows sports. Okay, that may be true. I'll go with you on that. If they view this, if this is the WWE fan base. I could see that happening because you couldn't, you couldn't pay me to watch a WWE event. I just don't view it as exciting. I view it more as a soap opera. I used to watch it when I was in my 20s, but back then it was a soap opera. That's exactly what it was. And right now, I wouldn't go to one. It, it, wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be my choice. If you dragged me there, maybe, but it wouldn't be my choice. So maybe you're looking for, for the entertainment rather than you are for the sporting public. And if that's the case, then maybe there is a market for it. But your comment was trying to get it to be a sport. 
and I'm not really sure it's, I, I, I'm not really sure you'll ever get it there. I, we may disagree on this, but I'm not sure you're going to get it. I think I think we will. I mean, do you consider boxing a sport? I have a really hard time right now considering boxing a sport. I do. I have a hard time. I I get the I, in my purest definition of sport. Yeah, it's a sport. My purest definition in it. You got two guys going head to head. You have a winner and a loser. It does require some athletic capability because no doubt boxing does. Even the heavy heavyweights, even Butterbean, required some athletic ability to get it done. Unlike golf, where I'm not really sure there's any athletic ability going on, at least in boxing, this stamina and whatnot, there is athletic ability. So boxing, I think boxing is on that, that very, very fine line of just being a sport. And technically, if you want to say that MMA under that definition would be a sport, I'm, I'm with you. It, it's a sport under my definition. But I don't think you're going to get the casual sports fan. Casual sports fan isn't, isn't the fan of just MMA. They're a fan of all sports. So you're getting the casual sports fan. I don't think you're getting there. If you're looking for the entertainment fan, the ones that do cheer for John Cena and do cheer for, I don't even know any other wrestlers at this point, cheer for any of those guys or women for that matter. I could see them extrapolating over to uh, as an entertainment. Well, I, I, I think it's, I don't think it's quite that simple, but I understand your point. It's not a sport like basketball is a sport or baseball is a sport or football is a sport. But in a lot, to a lot of people, soccer is not a sport or hockey is not a sport. Or as you've said, golf is not a sport. To a younger to, I don't understand how east. I don't get esports. I don't understand how that's a sport. To me, it's playing a video game. Nothing more, really, nothing less. But to people who follow it, they consider it a sport. You know, MMA has an enormous following outside of the country, in addition to just in addition to just uh, in the U.S. Where, yeah, it may be a niche, but it's become a pretty big niche. Um, they routinely mm-hmm. had. Had you know the draw had people pay per view purchases over half a million, over seven hundred thousand. Now the biggest problem that they've had is in the last couple of years their biggest names have either left the sport or kind of fallen on harder times in regards to sport like a John Jones. You know Ronda Rossi lost twice and left. Conor McGregor lost last. You know, they don't the big the names the big stars aren't there. So it's also harder right. to become a more mainstream sport when the biggest name who's actually fighting right now is, well, I guess it's now it's now it's Conor McGregor again. But you get my point. There's no there's no Absolutely. there's no Mike Tyson. There's yep. nobody you have to see fight. Perfect there's no sense. Floyd Mayweather. So Seth, we so Seth, we have a caller right now. So let's take our caller. Hi, you're on okay. with Seth and Sean. How can we how can we help you? Well, good evening, gentlemen. This is Lou from uh, Jersey, uh, first-time caller, but I've heard about the show, so I thought I'd call in. Excellent. We're happy to have you. What can, what can we talk about with you, sir? So you're so you're clarifying, you're trying to clarify what is considered a sport and what is not considered a sport. Well, it depends on who you ask. I mean, 
if you're asking, you know, a bunch of like uh, 12-year-olds, yeah, uh, WWE would be considered a sport, but not for us older guys. And uh, like UFC, yeah, I do consider it a sport, but at the same time, I do think it could be, you know, a little bit, say, uh, shall we say, scripted. Well, let me ask you this, sir. First, first of all, how old? Choreographed. And it, you, and and you don't a have to give me an exact. Age. A very young looking forty-eight. Okay, so you're about the same age as Seth and myself. We're we're about a half a decade oh, younger than you, but we're we're in the same bracket age. So when you were growing up, right? Yes. Did you consider boxing a sport? Oh yes, definitely. Do you consider boxing a sport today? Yes. Okay, so. So to Seth's point, how so? Do you consider UFC a sport? Hmm, well, it's always it's always been a little hard. I mean, you know, it does seem like it's a bit more choreographed than boxing. I mean, not to, not to take away because there are some uh, good fighters, but I just think it's like it's it's like it's set up like it's a little bit more staged. Well, do you believe it's staged? Do you believe that this this state, it, look? There's a very big definition between W a very big distinction between WWE and boxing. There, there it, to me, WWE has a script. It, we know who's mm-hmm. going to win or lose. At least they do, and everything's yes. done. Boxing, you got two guys there. Yeah, they're dancing around. And Seth, you can you can chime in here. They're certainly dancing around. That may be scripted in that they're dancing around, but there's no predetermined winner or loser unless there's a fix-in, and they're pretty much fixing to beat the crap out of each other, not fixing to throw the fight. Yeah, but you know, wrestling does follow a script because you know, you know, you know, it's like it's like a stunt. Boxing, you know, is like you know, pure trying to like punch each other and his brains out and. uh that I'll find scripted. Oh, I mean, to me, there's no script. To me, there's no script on any of this. It's these guys don't train. Haven't been training for twenty years or fifteen years to to lose fights. To lose to not you know you don't become black belts in these kind of things. No, that's the thing that's staged. Now the difference is UFC is. The, the, the staging of the UFC is different because what the UFC does is every, pretty much every event they have, they well, they make it a big blowout. So you have all these the lights and the cameras and all the crazy stuff that goes with it. You know, mm-hmm. Connor was walking around in a fog machine before the fight. Um, you know, the the boxing, unless it's the top, unless it's one of the two top. Um, what do you call it? One of the two, you know, one, unless it was a Floyd Mayweather or a Tyson or something along those right. lines, you can't make or pa- Manny Pacquiao, I guess. They can't attract that. The difference is the UFC does it for every fight. Now, whether they should or they shouldn't is a whole other story. But I don't. I, there's no question that it's not that it's not staged. It's just it's not what we grew up with, and I think that's a lot of it. Right. We grew up with boxing. Yeah, it's a different generation you know, though. Was on ABC and CBS when we were real. Well, in the late seventies and early eighties when we were really young yeah. and you know, the UFC came into existence really 15 years ago. So by that pretty point, much kind of really established our thought processes on these things. All right. Thank, thanks so much for calling. We'll, please call again. We, we love hearing from our I listeners. Will. We appreciate the call. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank Have a good day.
All right, so Seth, so just just to, for those that are listening, and I understand that some do tune in on the podcast, the Red Sox just took a one to nothing lead with a man on first in the third inning. We do appreciate all callers. Please call in 760-283-0846, 760-283-0846. And I think we've pretty much exhausted the concept of whether UFC or esports. We've gone through this several times as to what is a sport and what is not. And the one thing I think, Seth, you and I can both agree upon is that jumping into the stands and attacking people does not promote goodwill or people wanting to watch this stuff. Rather, it goes against that. Well, I would think so. Unless you're a WWE guy, I guess. Exactly, because it does lend to the soap opera mentality. Now, sure, this guy grew up in Dagestan, which is one of the few Russian republics I'd actually never even heard of. You know, his biggest fear after this was that his father was going to be was going to be was going to be mad more than anything that the UFC could do. And he may look. He may have problems getting a UFC, getting a visa into the United States going forward after this. We don't. We don't know how this is going to play out. Um, yeah. And the shame of it is, it was probably the, you know, his. It was his greatest triumph, his biggest victory, and then now he's just. It's just known as a stupid fight, as, a, as something stupid, i.e., the run our test move fifteen years ago. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. So okay. So we got a one nothing lead, uh, two, uh, one out in the third inning. With regards count. to – it, it is a full count. So with regards to – we talked about that. We talked about uh, the Yankees. And now let's move on to the quarter pole. Well, we can, we can continue on with the, with the baseball just for one more second. We have two teams that made it to the National League. We have three teams settled. We have the Astros from the American League, and the two teams in the National League are the Dodgers and the Brewers. So, number one, you and I both did not have the Brewers anywhere in this. We didn't even have them in the playoffs. I went back and looked at our, uh, listened to some of our tape. The Brewers were nowhere in it. We both had the Dodgers in it at this point, and I believe we both had the Dodgers against the Nationals. So it's just a matter of I believe you had the Na- the Dodgers winning and I had the Nationals win. So going forward, I love seeing the by the way the Red Sox. Uh, there's two outs now. Um, I love seeing the Brewers in this playoff predicament. I love seeing them in the championship series. They're a team that basically you can root for. They're not the Dodgers. They're not they're not a team that has unlimited wealth. And more importantly to me, they're an unconventional team. And I love seeing unconventional teams. They're, team, they're a team that will start relievers. There's a, there's a team, they're a team, much like the Yankees, in that they rely heavily on their bullpen. The difference is they don't have $100 million in their starting rotation. And, and that's a big difference. And it's basically David versus Goliath in the championship series for the National League. Do you have a feeling on which way that's going to go? I don't. I honestly don't know enough about the Brewers. I know they have the most likely MVP in Yelich. I know that Kane has been fantastic, and their relievers led by Josh Hader are really, really good. Um, I also know the Dodgers have an all-star at every position, 
Ryu's back, you know, Kershaw's pit, pitched beautifully. I, I'm rooting for Milwaukee. Um, I, I, I honestly don't have much of it. I, I just don't have a feel. Um, how this, how the, Milwaukee looked extremely impressive against Colorado. The Dodgers were good enough against, well, I guess I'd say, a, kind of a plucky Atlanta team, for lack of a better adjective. Um, I, I'm rooting for Milwaukee. I, I think it would be, a, I think it would be, it would be a lot more fun than seeing the Dodgers again. The Dodgers again. I guess it's like watching the Red Sox or watching the Yankees. They're there because they can get whoever they want. Hence, getting Manny Machado at the deadline. You know, Milwaukee. I can't name. Well, a, I don't think I can name one of their starting pitchers at this point. Well, let's understand that there, there are a lot of teams Milwaukee that have. No, not particularly. I mean, you've heard of some of them. Uh, you've heard of Gio Gonzalez, right? Ah. Uh. Yeah, Gio was played for Washington. And Brett Gardner okay, looks so, like misplayed. Uh, I think it was Brett Gardner. So why you Someone, just heard uh, Mr. Cayman's groan is that the Red Sox just hit a two-out double, and they're now up two to nothing. Uh, the, the rotation for your Milwaukee Brewers, your and my Milwaukee Brewers, Chase Anderson is their is their first pitcher. Uh, I can't I can't ever pronounce this guy's first name, but Chassin is the second pitcher. Wade Miley is their third pitcher, and he was traded from yours and mine, the worst team in the majors, Baltimore Orioles. But he's their third starter. Gio Gonzalez is their fourth starter, and Zach Davies is their fifth starter. And the Red Sox are going to be up three to nothing right now. So three to nothing in the third inning, uh, man on a single. I believe that was Mookie Betts, but three nothing. So no, you should not know any of the starting pitching for Milwaukee other than Gio Gonzalez or Wade Miley, but not because they'd be on Milwaukee, <laughs> because they came because they were actually all stars on other teams before they made it to Milwaukee. I would love to see Milwaukee in the final in 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 the World Series. The problem is both the teams in the American League, I think, would blow them out. And part of this has to do with starting pitching. Oh, Spike Lee's at the game. I love it. I didn't know Spike Lee goes to Yankee games. But I, I want the National League to win, and I'm not sure that the Brewers could do it. I'd love for them to do it. I'd love for them to be there. But... Either of these two teams that are in this game, the Yankees or the Dodge, the Yankees or the Red Sox, are going to go up against the Astros, which is another mega house team. Now, can either can the Brewers beat either any of the three of them in a in a seven game series? I don't think so. I don't so. think so. Right, exactly. They just don't have the well, starting team to do. The four, the, the four best teams in baseball this year were the four teams in the American League playoff. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have no, and this is not American League bias. This is just an unequivocal fact that the Yankees, who of course won the wild card, won a hundred games, have the best power hitting possibly in the history of baseball. The Red Sox won 108 games. Cleveland was, you know, Cleveland probably did a disservice because they didn't have to play in any real games the whole year because they won their division by June. And Houston is just a juggernaut. 
you know, the Dodgers, you know, even though they've made it to the NLCS, they certainly were not impressive this year. Nationals were horrendous. The Cubs didn't even make the, the Cubs didn't make the playoffs. So well, they I mean, made the playing looking, game. They made the play. They made the playing. They game. made the playing. Did yep. they make the playing? They made game the wild they... card. They were... No, they made okay. the second wild card. I, I... Okay, that's right. They lost to Colorado. No, Colorado yep. is a nice, you know, it's a nice story, but Colorado doesn't have the pitching. Although Freeman was fantastic well, all... against Chicago. Seth, I think you've narrowed it down. When it comes right down to it, all the pitchings in the American League. It's just that simple. Well, other than, other than, look, I mean, when I say pitching, I mean a complete staff. I don't mean just the, the relief pitching, which is what Milwaukee has. And I don't believe in just two pitchers, which is what Colorado has, plus some relievers. I mean, when you're going into a seven-game series, the only, the only team that had remotely good enough pitching in the National League for seven games, Look, and this can come back to bite me when the Brewers win it all, and I'm completely wrong. And I'll be one of the happier people outside of Milwaukee if they, if they prove me wrong. But the only team that has legitimate seven-game pitching, both starting and relief, Los Angeles in the National yeah. League. So well, that may not be true. The Mets do. If you can keep, if Syndergaard can stay healthy and Mets can stay healthy and Wheeler can stay healthy. No, but the thing is, the Mets don't have a bullpen for it. I said legitimate true. start to finish. They don't have a bullpen. So, the Nash, if you look in the American League, the Yankees, despite the crap that I give them for their starting pitching, can at least get to five innings. Each one of their pitchers, including CeCe, CeCe would be the fourth starter. Maybe the third starter. So you pitch one game, maybe two, probably just one. He could get you five innings, and then the relievers could take over. The Mets don't have that. They need the three guys to go seven or eight innings each time. And that's a hell of uh, – ever since, since Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling, I can't – or maybe Verlander last year, but he didn't, do, he didn't do it with two guys. But the fact is, you need a full bolt, you need a full stack, and they just don't have it. And, and – uh, do we really want to bring up the Mets? I mean, come on, please. Haven't I, ha- haven't I suffered enough? I just saw John Tavares have a, have a hat trick the other night. Do I really have to and this? You watched, anyway. And you watched your Qs lose to Pittsburgh. So it, it's been a tough weekend. I did, but I saw the Jets win, and they're 2-3. and three, And that is a great lead-in to who's in trouble at the quarter pole. So we're officially – at the quarter pole. Every team has played at least four games. Some teams have played five. Who's in trouble? Are, are the Eagles in trouble at two and three? No. Let's start with, let's start with them. No? In, in trouble in regards to what? In trouble in regards to being a Super Bowl team, in regards to making the playoffs? What is your, what's your bar? I'm saying in trouble as to making the playoffs. They're two and three. There is no, there is no team in the NFC East that is in trouble of making the playoffs. The Giants are the closest. But considering the, t- the team, Washington is leading the division at 2-2, two and two, having just lost by 30 last night to, uh, to New Orleans. Dallas can't throw the ball. The Giants 
just find ways to lose on 60-yard field goals. It's The Eagles are at a Super Bowl hangover, but they're in a division where they can have one. Do I see them, unless they snap out of this funk, do I see them as a team that's going to be competitive for the for the NFC title? Probably not. But to make the playoffs, I don't think it's an issue. All right, so let's go through these. Let's go through the divisions here. You tell me if you believe these teams are in trouble, okay? Okay. By trouble, I mean making the playoffs. Are the Dolphins in trouble, even at three and two? Um, I don't know if I'd say they're in trouble, but they're not a team I have a lot of confidence in. Uh, I would have felt a lot better if they could have held their their 14-point halftime lead against Cincinnati. Um, I, I, Kenyon Drake's done nothing. Their defense has been better than I anticipated, but I don't see them as a playoff team. Okay. Are the Pittsburgh Steelers in trouble at 2-2-1? Two, two, and one? In trouble, yes, are they? But I wouldn't quite count them out yet. We we don't know what we're getting from the from Levy. We don't know. I think a lot of this is, is how Le'Veon Bell saga and now the Antonio Brown saga play out for a, for a team that was one of the big favorites coming into the season. It has not gone obviously accustomed to plan. Um, I don't know if they're in trouble, but. It's a much, it's more it's going to be much more difficult than I think anyone had contemplated for them making the playoffs. Okay, for me right now, I think they're in dire trouble, and the reasoning is simple. If you yes, they're two two and one. Yes, they're in a division which can be won. The Bengals are four and one. The Ravens are three and two. So technically, they're one game basically out. But they're already 0-1-1 in the division. They're 0-2-1 in the conference, which are two of the biggest tiebreakers there are. So they are effectively two to two or three games out of a playoff spot right now. In fact, they are three games out of a playoff spot right now because there are, they're behind New England. Now, we do understand Miami. We just talked about them. Cincinnati, Baltimore in their own division, Cleveland in their own division, Tennessee, Jacksonville, the Chiefs, and the Chargers are all ahead of them. They have a lot of teams oh. to jump. Oh, are you kidding? We're five games into a 16-game schedule that they have I to agree. jump a 3-2 and two team when they're, two, they're a half game behind them is meaningless. But my, but my point is they're not a half game behind them. When you're when – you're, Remember, but they're never going to. You're never going to need a tiebreaker, Sean, because you're going to have the tie. So unless they're tied with the Browns, you're going to have either you're, the tiebreaker is not going to come into play. That's the record fair. will be sufficient. Okay. Okay. So you believe that they're going to jump those? T- okay. Okay, I think they're in trouble. I think they're in legit. I think their defense has been complete Swiss cheese. I think their defense is more of a problem than their offense. Well, yeah. I mean, you uh, they have the best wide receiver in football. They have a quarterback who's having a pretty damn good year. And Connor has been more than, well, not Le'Veon Bell, has been a solid 75% of Le'Veon Bell. 
Your defense and lost their best player, and your secondary has been weak. And they've given up 133 points, which I believe is sixth in the NFL. Sixth or seventh in the NFL. Sixth or seventh worst in the NFL. I, 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 I believe they're in trouble. Look, okay. we can talk in four weeks. We'll talk in four weeks at the halfway point and see if they're still in trouble. But right now, I believe they're in trouble. Okay. So, Houston at two and three. So, I believe I picked them actually to win the, win the division, which isn't looking very good with Tennessee and Jacksonville both ahead of them. But they're only one game ahead of them. So, it's Houston yeah. in trouble. Um, their line has to get better. The problem is it's hard to do that during a season. I have no confidence in Tennessee. And Jacksonville's running game has been a complete and utter disaster with the injuries to to Fournette and now to Yeldon. So they're picking up Jamal Charles. Um, I don't know if in trouble. I think it's, I, I, I find it very difficult for any team if after five games to really be in trouble. Would I take them to make the playoffs at this point? No, but I don't think they're in trouble. I think Jacksonville's so the best team in this division. I think we. Are, are you talking Sorry. about Jer, uh, Jeremiah Grant, not Yeldon? Yeldon isn't hurt. Oh, did Jeremiah they Grant? Lost, get they hurt. lost. They lost their third running back. They did not lose. T, for those that are listening, our fantasy players, they did not lose T.J. Yeldon. T.J. Yeldon is the starter. He is not hurt at all. So I think you're talking about I think you're talking about Cary Grant, uh, Corey Grant, who they lost this past weekend. My fault. No, I'm just making sure. Okay. So moving on to the Nash, to the NFC. Well, well what about go the, to the West? Well, I was going to go to the West, and I don't really think any teams that we legitimately think we're going to be in the race are in trouble. Kansas City. And the Chargers, the Chargers are three and two. Kansas City's five and zero. Oh. They are the last team that's in trouble. The Raiders are one and four. They're in trouble, but I don't see anything remotely close to them coming back. I agree. Um, okay. They've looked like they've looked like a dumpster fire, and very well should probably be zero oh and five. Are your Giants in trouble at one and four? <sighs> Not yet. I mean, they're in trouble, but they're not. I mean, they're also a game, pretty much a game out of first place. So it's relative. Um, their their second half of their schedule, I believe, is a lot tougher than their first half. I could, I, or a lot easier than their first half, although I could be wrong. They look, I'll be honest, they look good on Sunday. They, a couple of bad calls, they cut, you know, they kicked themselves, you know, they, they did some of this to themselves, but again, they lost on the road on a 64-yard field goal at the buzzer. Um, now, Beckham's comment I found incredibly I, – I, I do worry about the team, but I, I, I think it's too – when there's so little space between the three the four teams, I think it's too early to be – are you kidding Jesus Christ. Um, I think it's too well, early. I, would be, I don't even know that who that is. Seth's uh, reaction to a home run by Christian Vasquez over the right field wall at Yankee Stadium, where every ball goes out over the right field wall. It looked like he checked his swing, actually, and still hit it out. I think that's why Seth 
Seth's uh, yeah, it does not look like a particularly Seth's, hard hit ball. Seth's comment about um, our favorite carpenter came into play. <laughs> um, yeah, look, you're one of four. You're going to be concerned, but you're also a game out. Of, you're you're a game out. So, and they play the Eagles this week, which is probably a must win. So you go from there. Okay. I don't believe that there is a team that is in trouble in the NFC North as every team is within one game, much the same way as the first three teams. Well, I guess you can consider okay. all in the NFC East within one game. And then we, right. we go to the NFC South. Falcons, one and four. They're in one trouble. One and four for the, for the Falcons. They've given up 163 points, which I believe is no, numero uno in the NFL by over 30, by about 30. No, 23, by 23. Now, what's funny is the team that is third in points given up is the Saints, who are 4-1. and one. But the Saints have also scored 50 more points than the Falcons have. So you're saying yeah. that the Falcons are... In trouble, legitimately in trouble. I mean, you have the Saints at four and one, the Panthers at three and one, the Bucks at two and two, coming off their bye week. I don't remember bye weeks being this early, but they obviously were. And the Falcons at one and four. So the Falcons have not been able to do anything, obviously defensively, and offensively still have only put up 133 points this year, which is below such great teams as the San Diego Chargers and the Baltimore Ravens. Well, the Ravens are an offensive juggernaut, so. Um, well, of course they are. They got Joe Flacco. Of course they do. Um, <laughs> actually, they have one point more than the Ravens, but your point is made. Thank you. Um Jumping to the West, I think, you know, you got the Rams and nothing else. But let's ask about your Jets. Now, 48 hours ago, people were wondering about Todd Bowles' job after that really unimpressive performance against Jacksonville. They beat the living – they beat up a really good defensive team in Denver – and suddenly Sam Darnold is the talk of the town again. But is Todd Bowles the coach? You know, we, we talked about that he needed a 7-9, 8-8 team to get there. Now, he may get to 7-9 or 8-8. Is Todd Bowles the coach to get you to the next tier? No. No, he's not. He, he, he's not. Um, he's just not. I mean, I, I – well, let me put it this way. Right now, he's the, he's the pseudo-defensive coordinator as well. Casey Rogers, their defensive coordinator, had a serious illness and was not able to uh, take part in last week's in Sunday's game. So he's their defensive coordinator, and he's their head coach. Their offensive coordinator is Jeremy Bates, who was out of football for a couple of years, and he's back doing what, he's, what he does best. Can they win with a combination of Jeremy Bates and Todd Bowles? My answer is no. Absolutely not. I don't think those are – I don't think you can look, Seth, at a head coach without looking at the rest of the staff. 
in my opinion. You have a head coach and you have his coordinators. And if he's a defensive head coach, then you have to look at the offensive coordinator and say, is that the guy too? So in my opinion, Bowles is a great defensive guy, and I would love for him to be my defensive coordinator. But I don't think we have the offensive guy in place, and it's definitely not Jeremy Bates. So if we have to fire Bowles and get a a good defensive coordinator and a better offensive coach, I'm okay with that. I just don't know who that would be. I I have a hard time looking at guys like like, uh, John DeFilippo. I'm assuming. John DeFilippo. Out in in Minnesota and saying he's any better than what we have. So unless you can tell me I'm getting a guy that's better than what I got, I'm happy with what I got. But first of all, you're making the statement that the Jets are going to make that next step at any point. And until I get better proof that they got more, look, they beat the crap out of Denver, but Denver's not really that good. They're just not. So show me, show me them beating a New England team. Show me them beating, show me them being seven and nine before we start saying to the next level, because I still think they have to get to that level before they get to the next level. So if they get to seven and nine, then we can talk about replacing Todd Bowles perhaps with a better coach, but you better show me who that better coach is before we start going. I never enjoy telling a guy or thinking about a a guy's re, guy getting fired or replacing a guy without taking into account who he's being replaced by. Are you actually getting better in what you're doing? And if you're not getting better, then no. If you're telling me I'm well, getting well, Jared uh, – sorry, go ahead. You don't know who is going to – you don't know what coaches are going to be available. We don't this, – it never works that way. You don't know – who you're gonna, your coach is going to end up being. This is, I mean, think about it. You have six coaches are fired usually at the end of every season. There is eight sure. or nine. You, know, you don't know. At this point, we don't really know who a lot of them are. You know, you, you may be a college coach or two, but we don't really know. So you just know you're not going to get to the next year with the guy you've got. And I think you have to make it based off of that. I don't think you make it based – you make a decision to fire someone based on who you're bringing in. I think you make a decision based upon that this isn't the guy who's going to get you to the next place. Uh, okay, fair enough. Well, uh, here, here's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at Indianapolis this weekend. And to me, that for the Jets, that's a huge game. And the reason I say that is because the next two games are against Minnesota at home and at Chicago. And with the offensive line that the Jets have, I can't see them being even within the game, in the Chicago game. I think they're gonna. I think they'll lose by ten to fifty against Chicago at Chicago. So, and I wouldn't put them as a favorite against Minnesota as well. I would. I would hope you would. I would think you would agree with me on that. That they would not be a favorite against Minnesota. Okay. So if they don't win this week. They're going to be two and four, two and five, two and six 
going into games at Miami, going into the game at Miami, and then against Buffalo. Neither of which are they might be favored against Buffalo at home, but I don't think they'll be favored at Miami. So they could potentially be two and eight at the bye week. And if they're two and eight at the bye week, I'm not sure Bowles makes it through the bye week at two and eight. That's why they this week well is so important for them. They have to win this week. They have to be three. I'm not sure three and seven gets you any better than two and eight, but it lo- certainly looks better. That could very well be true. At that point, considering in, in a make or break, the problem is to have – again, you don't know how much this is Bowles' fault because they haven't had the talent surrounding them for the most part over, these, over, over the last couple of years. But – at a certain point, you just have to win. It doesn't matter. And while he may be in a very not from a, from a personnel standpoint, he may be hamstrung. You know, the person whoever would be coming in next, you know, would be in a place where you have your quarterback in place, you have your defensive leaders probably in place. You know, the cupboard will not be bare for whoever comes in. But I agree. You know, after five years, four years of mediocrity, three and seven, with no matter what the re- ration, what the reasons are, uh, probably you know it's probably the death knell for Bulls. Okay, so who is your? Uh, can we agree that the MVP is probably Pat Mahomes at this point? Yeah, I don't think there's much question about that. Okay. Now, here's an interesting person to put in that MVP discussion. And I don't think he's in the top. I think my top three at this point are are Pat Mahomes, Todd Gurley, and Khalil Mack. And I know it's hard for a defensive player to win it, but, but those would be my three right now. But in the top five, I think you have to put Andy Dalton. They're four and one. They scored 153 points. He's led them back from, from games that – he shouldn't have been in that Miami game this week, and he led them back to victory. Not to say it was totally him, but obviously he did a number with it. I think Andy Dalton may be the most underappreciated player in the NFL right now. I think with Andy Dalton, it's kind of a prove-it kind of thing. Because um, he's had years he's been fantastic in the regular season. He's had years that he's been mediocre, but it always goes back with Andy Dalton to the playoffs, whether what, 0-6, 0-7, whatever, whatever yep. his number is. And, yeah, he's been very good. He's a good, he's a solid quarterback. I think he's gotten a bum rap, to be honest, in Cincy. Because no one really wants to believe in Cincy. And as someone who, who's rooted for Cincy over the years, they've actually always been my favorite New York team. No, I'd like to see them do well, but I don't think I don't think you're off with that at all. Yeah. Okay. So, who do you think makes the comeback? For, do you think Pittsburgh still makes the playoffs? Um. Let me think quickly here. My gut is yes. I think you're looking one team in the East, one team in the South. Two in the north and the two in the west. 
I'm just looking at Pittsburgh's schedule quickly. Well, that means you're two in the north. That means either Baltimore or the Bengals don't make it. Is I, I yes. don't think the Browns. Well, okay. The Browns aren't making it. I mean, the problem actually I see with Pittsburgh is the schedule is not. The schedule is brutal. Yep. That I didn't know. Okay, so they play the Bengals. At, they're at Cincy this week, which is probably a must-win game. This is your problem. Okay, then you play Cleveland at home. You're, you're going to win that game. You go to Baltimore. That's certainly not a gimme. Then you have the Panthers. Not a gimme. At Jacksonville. Not a gimme. At Denver. Not a gimme. Versus the Chargers. Not a gimme. At the Raiders, a win. Versus the Patriots. At the Saints. And then at the Bengals. That is a brutal second half of the year. And... It's with that schedule. I mean, I'll be honest. The, the easy part of their schedule. Well, I mean, it wasn't even. They won the games they should have won. They lost the games that they they could have beaten Baltimore. But you know, they, they, the tie in Cleveland does them no good. But the reality is, if they're three and two, no, we're not even having this discussion. So they're they're a tie from really being right back in it. I'm going to say they'll make it. As, they'll make it. As, they'll make it. Um, if not, you know, my, the one prediction I had, which I thought was pretty interesting in the beginning of the year, was that Tomlin gets fired after the season. If, you know, with all the controversy going on around with this team, you know, if they don't make the playoffs, Bell is gone, Brown is having issues, I wouldn't be surprised to see Tomlin after 12 years be the fall guy. Because that team has underachieved over the last half decade come playoff time. Okay, so one quick question, then we got our five minutes. Which of the division leaders, aside from the NFC East, because I don't consider any of them leaders right now, do not make the playoffs? The Rams, the Saints, the Bears, the Chiefs, the Titans, the Bengals, or New England? And, yeah, which of them don't make the playoffs at all? Titans aren't making the playoffs. Okay. That's fair. Okay. And we have the Steelers making the playoffs for you, and they're a last-place team right now. I assume you don't think the Colts, the Raiders, the Giants, the Lions, the Falcons, or the Niners are going to make the playoffs. Probably not. Last five minutes after you, sir. Um, Sam, I actually had something I wanted to discuss, and I don't remember what it is. Do you want to start? That doesn't really help you very much. But, sure. <laughs> uh, 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 for those that are not paying attention to anything this week, sports-related, I hope that you do pay attention to what's going on in a criminal trial in New York. And that criminal trial, as we talked about last year, very, very, we, we talked about it for one day, and then we kind of said, well, wait till the trial happens, is who is accepting bribes in the NCAA? Who is taking money for players in the NCAA? Now, should this be litigated? No. It's, it has no business in the, in the court system. None whatsoever. Let's call it spade to spade. 
the, the criminal court is doing what the NCAA wouldn't do, which is find out stuff about their coaches, about their players, about their runners, and anybody else. But that's what's happening. And, and Bruce Bowen's father, and I don't mean, uh, sorry, Brian Bowen's father, Brian Bowen. not Bruce Bowen, Brian Bowen's father, Brian Bowen Sr., has named names. He's named Louisville. He's named Kansas. He's named Arizona. He's named these big teams as people that have offered him money and actually gave him money. Now, here's the thing. What is the NCAA going to do about it? And unfortunately, in my opinion, they're going to do absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. And that in itself is, is a mockery of the system. But if you want to pay attention as to what is actually going on in the NCAA, excuse me, check out that trial. Just every single day, just look at what the testimony is because it's shocking and not so shocking all at the same time. Okay, Seth, you got two minutes. Go. All right. Well, I, you were talking about Todd Bowles being fired. I, I do think the most obvious coach to go at this point is, uh, is someone who probably never should have been made a head coach in the first place. And has lasted really, it seems like he's a, an extraordinarily long time because the coach likes, because the owner likes him. And that's Jason Garrett down in Dallas. You know, when you're fourth and one with that line on your, on your opponent's 42 in overtime and you can't run the ball for a yard, you don't have confidence in your team to run the ball for a yard. It says a lot about what your you know your opinion on the team and where you kind of think the team is going. Yeah, you could. I understand you punted, you back him up, but you have the best running one of the best running backs in football. You have a great offensive line, and look, I, I get you haven't had many too many favors with your wideouts over the years, but the reality is you've been the coach there. I think for seven years, eight years, you've won one playoff game. You know, I've joked. It's very funny seeing you know all these seeing people talk about Dallas. Dallas has won one playoff game in 20 years. They're a joke. The America's team is a joke. And if Jerry really wants to win another Super Bowl, you're going to have to – you have, you have the, the, the panache to bring in a big name and to bring in the right person to run this. And it's just not Jason Garrett. I mean, talk about a guy – if he got fired, would he get a chance at a, at a coaching job? Would he even get a coordinatorship? Probably not. That kind of says it all right there. So, as a Giant fan, you know, Jerry, keep him as long as you want. I'm good with it. As a, as, as a Cowboy fan, I would, I would want him out the door three years ago. And as a Cowboy fan, Seth, the first thing a Cowboy fan should be saying is, Jerry, why don't you go fire yourself? Because without, with him exactly. as a general manager, that's where this problem starts. It's not Jason Garrett. Okay, for Seth Kamens, this is Sean Palmer, BackSportsPage.com. Next week, we'll have a different start time, probably. We, we may go one more week like this, but we're not sure. Okay, have a great week, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. See ya.